Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. Today's guest is Bevan McKinnon, who's an elite-level triathlete. He's also a triathlon coach who is the co-host at Fitter Radio, which is a podcast that features professional triathletes and triathlon coaches. And I first got introduced to Bevan uh, a couple of weeks ago because I was featured on his podcast last week and had a really good time talking to him. He's a, a genuine guy. Uh, he's a Kiwi and uh, had a really good time just chatting with him on the podcast. And I like the way he thinks about uh, approaching the swim leg. And that's what we talk about today is a couple of ways that you can improve your swimming and a few different ways to think about how you go about improving and also just overcoming any fears or anxiety that you might have with the water. So if you're a triathlete and you're wanting to improve your swim leg, this is a really good podcast to listen to. Before we get into the conversation, applications are still open to the Effortless Swimming Hell Week, which is a week-long camp that we hold in October. It's at the Tanyapura Sports Resort in Phuket, Thailand. And this is the second time we're running the camp. And basically, if you love to train hard and you want to improve your swimming, this is where you need to be. We train twice a day in the water and you have everything taken care of. You've got your accommodation sorted, you've got your food sorted, you've got your rest and recovery time there, and you also have the coaching and the training sessions there where we work one-on-one with you very closely to improve your stroke. We look at where you can find some opportunities for, for more speed. We also go into your open water skills and we also go into fitness because the training sessions are very challenging. But if you are a triathlete or if you're a swimmer or an open water swimmer who is looking for a challenging week where you want to get fit and ramp up your fitness for the Australian or New Zealand summer, or if you're just looking to train hard into the American winter, then this is a good camp to, uh, to attend. So you can find out more details at effortlesswimming.com forward slash hell week. And I'd love to see you in Tanyapura in October where we can improve your swimming and have a really good time as well. So here we go. This is a conversation that Bevan and I had about getting the most out of your swimming. I've been doing this about uh, 10 plus years seriously, but uh, yeah, um, as I say, I've had a few different jobs, but this is by by far the most satisfying. I think that's what keeps coaching interesting is just just a real curiosity as to how you can help someone improve and looking at certain uh, problems that someone might have or um, something that they're doing with their stroke and, you know, just wanting to figure out the best way to help them solve it. And that's what just, um, what keeps me coming back is I just, just love not only helping people, but just figuring those things out. It's just a real type of problem solving. And I kind of think that in a way coaching is almost harder than being an athlete, obviously not in a physical sense, but just in terms of you've always got to be switched on to think about what your athletes are doing and how you can um, how you can change or how you can structure their training to help them get the most out of themselves. Yeah, definitely. And look, I mean, I'll, I'll put my hand up straight away and go, the only thing I can coach is freestyle technique for open water triathlon swimming. My <laughs> What I took was my intuitive nature and taught myself everything I could about freestyle swimming. Um, Don't ask me to teach you breaststroke, butterfly, backstroke or anything like that. But I looked at the freestyle stroke and I think I looked at what constitutes open water swimming and I started to realise very early on when I was working as a a swim coach um, 
that there was a difference. And we spoke about this when, when, when we interviewed you for our podcast. And I realized that, the, that I actually probably had a greater understanding of the open water swim mechanics and what the requirements was because I'd done it. Um, and then I looked at what was being taught in, the, in, in swimming lessons and one-on-ones by people that had learned freestyle in a pool-based setting and realized that there was a, a gap. And so I started to try and find out how to fill that gap and what kind of technical changes you needed to do to, to make yourself into a better open water swimmer. So that was a real challenge, and um, it, it's, it still is a challenge to this day because you look at, at swimmers, I'm lucky, I mean, I'm – I would be on a very small, I mean, I think my uh, twice I've broken 50 minutes for an Ironman swim. Um, I think the first time it was 49 minutes and 59 seconds, and I could have kissed every single supporter when I got to the beach that day. <laughs> but, um, I, I, you know, and there's not many people who come from no formal swimming background. I am completely and utterly self-taught. Um, but I am in the very, very small minority, um, and I realize that, if you're an adult swimmer who doesn't have a formal swimming background, then not one size fits all. You've got to really, really think as a coach as to what their faults are, how to address them, what, you know, how to build that stroke, um, what are the major areas and the bigger picture um, sort of changes you have to make. And so of the skill set of triathlon, swimming is the most technical by far. Um, and so it's a really, really challenging area being a triathlon coach. And I feel, I feel I had to as a as a triathlon coach be able to coach that discipline. I don't feel you're a triathlon coach if you can't technically coach the swim as much as you can the bike and run. I think you're just a you're a program writer if you can't technically coach all disciplines in terms of um, the movement and everything that goes on with it. So so it was it was a challenge for me and it was sort of a challenge I set, but one that I really enjoyed um, understanding the more that I watched and the more that um, I experimented and the more that um, I professionally developed myself. Yeah, and it's um, there's no one-size-fits-all stroke for, for no. every person. And uh, and even, let's say an athlete's got, there's two athletes who swim very similar. The same, uh, the same approach to helping them progress may not work with, with both athletes. So it really comes down to the individual athlete. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, yeah, and sometimes just with the, the technical side of things, it's um, especially someone who doesn't come from that swimming background, they need to constantly think about just the basics, whether it's making sure they're not holding their breath or yeah. making sure their, their posture or their body position is correct. Because, I mean, I'm coming from, um, yeah, I've entered Ironman next year and coming from basically no bike riding background, I just find myself slipping into my default um, position on the bike where, you know, the, the shoulders are... Um, or the arms are sort of rigid; they're not relaxed, and um, I did, you know, not sure what, not knowing what I had to um, to focus on with that, and then get a couple of um, tips and just a couple of things to think about in terms of posture there on the bike, and it's made such a difference already. So, as the coach, you just really need to keep reminding people about what, um, you know, what are the two or three things that is going to help that person. Um, you know, progress to that next level, and it can just be very basic things because they either don't know them or they just can, you know can forget them pretty easily. Uh, yeah, the the the, the conversation. If I had a dollar for every time I'd actually said this to an adult swimmer, is 
Um, we need to probably break your stroke back down to basics um, and, and actually change everything that you do. Now, I don't mean that that we are going to, but I'm trying to explain to them that what they've actually done is that they've sat on the side of the pool and they've watched freestyle swimming. Now, a competent freestyler has learned nearly every aspect of that particular stroke in isolation and then the sequence that it fits together in over thousands and thousands of hours and millions and millions of lengths. Um, no competent adult swimmer who's been through the the, um, the youth development of swimming um, just jumped in the pool and had that magic technique straight away. It's a taught mm. sport. It's a it's a technical sport. It's it's learned in a series of patterns and movements um, that all build on um, each development phase. But adults when we sit on the side of the pool and say, well, how hard can this be? <laughs> you know, you, you swing the arms around, you turn your head to breathe, you kick like a maniac, um, and you just throw it all into the pot at the same time. Um, and we and we have that happening. And so body alignment is poor, body position is poor, rotation is poor, over-rotation is emphasized, the, the catch is wrong, the recovery is wrong, and you're like, and you're like, well, actually, you've got to sort of unlearn what you've learned um, and we'll start from the very basics again. Um, and you can only focus on one or two things at a time. Everyone wants to come from a swimming lesson and go, well, you only worked on body position today. And I said, well, if I gave you something to think about on your catch – the other catch happens maybe 60 times a length. Um, you have to think of that and remind yourself and be in control of it 60 times a length. If you're worried about your body position, you're never going to remind yourself about your catch. Mm. So it's a building block and, and, you, and you really have to um, really educate swimmers and adult swimmers about that. Yeah, I see it as kind of like building a house. You need to have the the foundation or the base down first, and you, you can start putting up the, um, yeah. the structure and the walls, and then the roof, and um, then you can start to furnish the house. It's and it's got to go step by step. So, you know, yeah, especially in like the art of triathlon swimming program or the clinics that we run, it's we always just start with breathing and and being relaxed and even though it's a very basic concept you know you'll see kids who are in their learn to swim lessons uh, singing songs and blowing bubbles on the water and you know if we don't quite go that far but it's just it's very similar to how you teach someone to to swim as a as a child so yeah starting with the that sort of thing and then we look at um we look at body position and just making sure that they're horizontal in the water and then you can start to progress to the breathing and recovery and and eventually yeah. get to the pool but that's um, you know, and, and those things take months to develop. Um, yeah. but yeah, you're right. It's just about, it's those building blocks. You can't just go, um, into someone who does, doesn't have much background in swimming and just say, you need to fix this part with your pool if they're, you know, if their body position's crap in the water. Yeah. And, and also I think what you'll find is, especially because with the popularity of triathlon and, and open water swimming now, I know here in New Zealand, we have a, a huge open water swimming uh, series that goes around the country. And, you know, there are people out there that are, you know, when you ask them what their sport is, it's actually open water swimming. They're, they're, that's what they're training for. Um, but most, the thing about an adult learning to swim is that we very rarely get ourselves outside the comfort zone where the fight or flight response is is real. You know, we are very cautious as adults. However, we are acutely aware as adults that if we're a non-swimmer, that we could die. 
And that comes into the mindset of most adult swimmers without them even knowing it. And so you're right, breathing or the inability to breathe or actually the inability to exhale comfortably into the water, they can do the breathing in, um, but they can't do the breathing out. And then all of a sudden after about a length, they're hyperventilating because there's been no exhalation. They're just trying to put more fresh air in on top of a lung that never exhaled any air. Um, and then body position changes and, and, and a lot of other things are happening. Um, and they actually think that it's a technical issue from the stroke mm. mechanics side of things. When quite frankly, it's the fact that they'll never be able to swim no matter how good their technique is because they can't get petrol into the engine. And it's exactly the same if you're if you run for 100 meters and you hold your breath for five or six seconds, yeah. the exact same thing is going to happen. You're going to be gasping for air. You're going to be panicking a little bit because you're so out of breath and you're not even in the water. So yeah, you, you know, times that by ten when you're in the water and you're not not comfortable there. So yeah, it's um yeah, just that just the breathing is such a such a huge thing. Yeah, and, and also people. also the tension that comes with it. I mean, I always look at a, a swimmer's upper shoulder and the musculature and, and around the neck and so forth, and you can see it's bunched up. You mm. can see that they're tight and the, and the chest is tight. And, you know, the other thing about that affecting the body position is that you, it becomes a, a chest breath rather than a diaphragmatic breath, and so the, the area where buoyancy would be best served, which is to get it into the lower lung and put some buoyancy in and around um, the torso or the lower torso to help the hips come up a little bit, that's another factor. I know a lot of athletes really struggle with the ability to take a diaphragmatic breath over just a sort of a short, sharp, tense chest breath, so that... When, when that happens, I do a lot of um, snorkel work with some of our swimmers, um, you know, because a lot of them actually also struggle to use a swim snorkel um, because they're still really um, hyper aware of getting comfortable enough to actually breathe out when their face is in the water. They have that flight or, uh, fight or flight response. So one of the areas I, I get them to do is just some gentle kicking drills, working on body position and, and relaxing the neck and shoulders, but using a swim snorkel so they get the, that they can actually become more comfortable with having their face in the water, knowing that there's no problems with breathing. They just have to focus on the fact that they want to let the neck relax, the shoulders relax, and that they can just breathe easily in and out of the snorkel. So that's one of the ways that I start to address that. That's good, and, and something similar that we do in at the start of our clinics is um, just having the swimmers gradually exhale completely and let the lungs be empty for five to ten seconds and just let them sink down to the bottom of the pool if, yeah. if they're a sinker or they might end up floating. But just getting comfortable having empty lungs yeah. and, and not panicking. So um, you know, when they go to take a breath, like you were, you were saying before, is if they've still got a lung half full of air and they go to take another breath, that's when you start to get fatigued and you start to panic. So yeah. just getting used to exhaling fully and, and being relaxed that way, just like you know, that normal breathing with a snorkel yeah. is um, just a really good, good way for beginner swimmers to, um, to, to cope with uh, yeah. that sort of thing in the, in the water. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's also uh, an adult swimmer trying to transition from pool swimming to sea swimming is another dynamic altogether. Um, and if they're struggling to exhale in a in a pool in a in a nice gentle environment, um, they will have they'll have even greater difficulty once they go out into the big wide open water with other swimmers and um, the extra tension that comes with that. So if they the, the the pool is the place they need to master it first and foremost and sink down drills like the one you mentioned and um, like I say snorkel drills as well. Um, they're all ways of just saying 
there's nothing technical we're doing here other than just teaching you a sense of calmness and your ability to exhale into the water. And what, what other sorts of strategies do you use with your athletes to help them um, to deal with nerves before they, they're racing or even just before they go for an open water swim? Um, one of the things I do for a lot of uh, our swimmers, and it's one of the things that I, mean, I would love to say that this has been something that I've done over the years, but I think also that uh, from a pool-based swimming position, um, I notice that a lot of adult swimmers uh, will really struggle with just even performing or attempting a tumble turn. So one of the first things that I've sort of been saying at the beginning of our winter period over here in New Zealand is that uh, I want everyone in my squad to be able to perform a tumble turn. Now, that initially they, they were saying, well, you know, is that just to make us faster? You know, what's your rationale behind that? And I said, no, it's actually to, for those people who don't do it at the moment, I want you on every single length to to experience that sense of disorientation under the water and pushing off the wall and uh, resurrecting uh, your swimming stroke from that position. I know it sounds, you know, a bit dramatic when I refer to it like that, but for those people that are, that are um, really... Uh, disoriented when they perform a tumble turn, one of the, that's similar to being out in the open water. Um, and if they get dunked or they get, you know, swum over the top of, that can be the end of someone's race. Um, and I'm sort of saying, okay, well, we actually get an opportunity in a very um, safe environment to perform a tumble turn. Now, I'm not looking for the best tumble turn in terms of streamline off the wall and the fastest, um, you know, sort of exit from each end. I'm actually just looking for you to get more and more used to being disoriented, tumbling over, exhaling and getting back into swimming again. So for, for the really novice swimmer, that's one of the first places that I start there because I feel it is a place that we can at least simulate something that happens in the open water. Um, it's really difficult. It's, it's, you know, if you go to any Ironman or half Ironman swim start, you will see a look of terror on the faces of a lot of the unsure swimmers. Um, and you can have done you, as much open water swim training uh, as you like. You can um, have tried to do things in the pool by getting multiple people in the same lane um, and having them bump, you know, bump off each other as they go up and down the length. But in reality, on race day, you've got not only race nerves and anxiety and the pressure, you've also got a very unsure swimmer who, who knows that it's their area of weakness um, and so I actually step away from that. And one of the practices that I uh, try to get some of my athletes who are receptive to this to actually undertake is that we use some, some um, either some breathing strategies, um, some uh, mindfulness, some meditation practices. But probably one of the things that I've used myself over the years uh, just from calming, and it's not that I have race, uh, sorry, open water swim nerves because it's probably one of the things that I have the least, but just from an area of presenting yourself on race day in the calmest state possible is I use a, um, a technique called tapping, which is a, a manual uh, tapping on the meridian lines that we have as acupuncture. Um, so I gently tap with my thumb on the inside of uh, the trigger points from the acupuncture sites on the inside of my fingers, and that's another sort of um, an Eastern practice, but it's a very good stress reliever, and it's a way of trying to just bring some calm to the body before they actually get into that situation that's going to be anything less than calm. So it, it is hard. It's You're dealing with 
you're dealing with the fight or flight mechanism and as much as we can try to simulate that uh, in training, you're also always going to have the fact that on race day, um, exponentially there's hundreds of more people and there's also the pressure of race expectations going into the mix as well. So it's yeah, as much as you could try to simulate that on in a, in, a, in a workout, it's sometimes very difficult to do. And I use some other strategies just to try and um, just bring the, the athlete back down to ground, calm them, um, detoxify the situation. And so sometimes we use some, you know, some mindfulness or breathing practices or maybe something like this, um, this tapping method that I use as well. Yeah, and as as airy fairy as that stuff sounds, it it works really well. The just the yeah. the breathing, calming yourself down. I mean, um, you know, I have I have my guys do something very similar, and it's just um, yeah, it's just getting the heart rate down and getting them to um, to you know, nerves nerves are good to a certain extent. You don't want someone to go over the top and, uh, yeah. and forget <laughs> and forget um, what they're there for. But um, just the just the, the long slow breaths and breathing in through the nose out through the mouth, just a really good way to get someone to, to calm down and um, and just kind of be be present instead of worrying about what's what's to come. Yeah, so yeah. It's, um, yeah, it can't be um, can't be underestimated how important just the breathing is. No, absolutely. And I look, I mean, I'm talking primarily from the people I deal with who are always entering. Uh, Majority of them are doing long distance triathlon, and if you think of the pressure of even trying to finish an Ironman with a race cut off, um, that adds an extra anxiety to the situation. Um, and then most of the races that are Ironman are going to be the biggest fields of athletes that people have ever raced in. Um, so that again, that's very difficult to simulate, and that in its own right has its own. Um, anxieties. So there are a few things that are outside the pure technical element of swimming that you just can't teach for. So you have to think of probably some other strategies that help just bring, you know, just lower the cortisol levels and bring the, the body back to a state of, you know, relaxation as, as or as close to it as you can get. What uh, what are some good swims that you've had in your in your events and and comparing them to some bad swims? What's been the difference between between having a good and a bad swim for you? Um, I think uh, you know if you're really ambitious uh, and you you really want to do well, uh, you know there's one part of a long distance triathlon that nobody paces, and that's probably the first 400 meters of a swim. As much as everyone uh, every physiologist out there will say, you know you want to you know start at the pace that you intend to go for the rest of the day. There's a lot of getting the nerves out of the system that occur in that first 400 meters. Of a swim, and, and I also believe that depending on your aspirations, it's it's potentially the most vital uh, vital uh, part of the swim. Um, your ability to get from a let's say you're in a deep water start, uh, get off the line. Um, the first sort of fifty to hundred strokes is is pretty important, but at the same time, you really have to be very aware at that particular period because what you'll find is with the really elite swimmers. Um, they, they, you know, there might be, let's say, half a dozen of them in the race that are that are really going to lead off the front, and then there will be a stream of of athletes following in behind those feet, and um, sighting at that particular time, being able to sight left and right to make some decisive decisions as to which group you're going to go with. That's that's pretty important, uh, and also in training, I think it's pretty, you know, if you are have have some aspirations of, of being able to, you know, swim with with some real effort during whatever race that you're in, uh, that first, 
you know, four to 600 metres is important, but you need to be able to um, deal with the lactate that builds up in that particular period and then also um, clear it whilst you're settling back into what is your predicted uh, race intensity. So your training has to prepare you for that as well. So, you know, in some of the sessions that, that I do, I've, I've stolen from a, a Chris McCormick workout before, you know, where you might do, uh, four to six fifties uh, on maximum effort and go straight into two two hundreds at predicted race pace. Um, so you really sort of get that high arm turnover to start with, uh, deal with the lactate that builds up quite quickly if you have short rests between the fifties, uh, but then also be able to go straight into those two by two hundreds or whatever you're going to swim uh, and maintain sort of race intensity because I think that's uh, pretty important as well. So there's a technical element to it. Uh, there's a um, there's a mental element to it in terms of being able to uh, be aware of where you're in the group and what feet you're following and are they the right feet, and that comes from being able to sight. Uh, and then there's also a physical conditioning component to it as well. You know, have you prepared yourself for that kind of start to a race? So when I've got that right, I've tended to have great swims. And the thing about triathlon is that that first four to 600 metres is crazy. And then it seems that uh, for me, the rest three of the 3,200 metres in the race is, is relatively easy because if I've got into the right group, um, I'll never be leading that group. But um, after that, the toe is, 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 you know, the draft is awesome. And at times I've thought, you know, maybe I made the wrong decision because it seems that the group's going so badly, but I've actually made the right decision. It's just that I'm in the right group and whilst I'm drafting really effectively off them, and that's another key element to it is, is being able to hold the draft. Um, I've had great swim times. And that's the thing. Sometimes you can be swimming with a, a faster group than what you'd be able to swim with if you were just pacing next to them. Yeah. But, you know, it might, and it might end up feeling slow when you're actually with them but just because of that draft. It can be an extra... Yeah, thirty percent easier or more efficient just Easily. by drafting. Easily, I've 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 had what I thought at the last two New Zealand Ironmans. Um, you know, I have really um, commit to the first four to six hundred meters. It's it's served me well. Um, not last Ironman, the Ironman before. Uh, I was sat at the back of the group and thinking, well, it's not a particularly big group, um, and I sort of had a couple of looks you know, further forward to see what I could see. And I thought, well, there's not many people in front of us. Um, so it should be the right group, but this is just way too easy. And at times I was like, uh, I, I, I could swim in a water polo fashion. You know, the, the draft was just so significant. You know, I had my head up. I'm looking around thinking, this is ridiculous. This is just, it's way too easy. And then so I thought, well, okay, I'll pull out and I'll, yeah, and I'll see if I can go to the front of the group. Well, the moment I pulled out, I nearly fell out of the draft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I went, no, that's good. I'm, I'll just stick back here. Yeah, when you get the draft right, it, it just feels so good. It feels like you're, you're riding a wave. I, yeah. um, it, in uh, the Peter Pub, which is the biggest swim in Victoria, um, here for the summer, there's uh, I think there's four or 5,000 competitors in a, a couple of different waves, but They've got the um, the superfish category, so it's normally the top twenty or thirty guys and the top twenty girls. So they all go off together. And I knew there was a guy who is a little bit faster than me, um, and you know, definitely I couldn't pace next to him. But I knew that I'd be able to sit in his draft, and you know, hopefully he'd he'd take me all the way home. And he'd uh, he'd gotten on the podium the year before. So I I found him in the lineup as we were going to start, and I sat right next to him, and the gun went off, and for the first probably 300 meters I was right on his hip 
and my stroke rate was it was you know like a 70 it was pretty slow and I was just feeling really good just riding right next to him and then uh, I wasn't concentrating and he went for it and I missed his missed his break and that was it then I just had to uh, yep. wait for the pack to catch up then I just kind of uh, jumped on the side of that because yep. Um, yep. Yeah, once you lose it it's pretty yep. hard to get it back Oh, and look, I mean, the, the, the Ironman this year in, in Taupo, um, a different story, same sort of start for me. And point of fact, I probably got an even better start and then on the back of the group and the group, it was uh, I was just sort of yo-yoing off uh, because it, it, it wasn't down to intensity, it was lack of concentration. Um, I would get in right behind the feet and I'd think, this is good, and then I'd be thinking about something else and what was going to happen later in the day and then... <laughs> They would move just to the left a little bit and I'd be just off the, the wake. And then, um, you know, I, I sort of was giving myself a hard time thinking, just concentrate, concentrate, because I probably had to put in, you know, four to six really decent surges over the, the back half of the, the race because I'd lost the feet and I'd lost the feet because of concentration rather than, um, you know, my ability to, to swim at the, that intensity in the draft. And so that's something that you need to be really aware of because, like you say, if that had become maybe three or four metres and I'd actually dropped out of the draft, I mean, the reason I was in the draft is those guys were better swimmers than me and uh, but not when I was right on their feet. You know, if they take off, then I'm gone and I'm on my own having to do all the work. Yeah, and it just takes a just a moment of you know, a lapse of concentration and that is that's it. <laughs> you know, you yeah. you really just got to stay on the ball the uh, the whole time if you can and yeah, that's that can be hard over a 50 60 minute swim. Yeah, yeah, it's the thing. It's the duration of the Ironman swim is that you're trying to distract yourself yet you shouldn't be. Um, but uh, lucky for Lake Talbot, it's such a beautiful swim. Um, they've got a, a, a par three mini putt thing where there's golf balls on the bottom of the lake and you're looking around for those because that sort of signifies how far into the swim you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're looking for them on the way back as well. So, I mean, other than that, you're, uh, yeah, you, you just need to be on the ball a bit more. Yeah, exactly. Actually, when I first started Effortless Swimming, I was you know, making videos and um, putting them out on YouTube so people could, could watch them. I, I made one on, on drafting and, and how to do it and why to do it and why it's important. And I had I had someone email me and say that's that's ridiculous. Drafting is cheating, and you know, you're not allowed you're not allowed to do it. And if you do, you're uh, it's unsportsmanlike, and you're cheating. And so you've just got to, um, you know, I, I don't know what what sort of comments you get sometimes with your uh, you know, podcast or whatever. But no, you just cannot listen to everyone. You think, oh my god, where's this, where's this person coming from? Yeah, I mean that that you. The other thing you have to ask that person is um, they they're probably the forty seven minute swimmer at Ironman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the one who is uh, dragging the other ten swimmers yeah, along. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. What um what sort of games or exercises or um or challenges do you do with your your swim squad i mean i'm just thinking with um with our swim squad you know you want to you want to mix things up sometimes and it's good to to throw something a bit different in the mix just to get them thinking about what they're doing but also just to keep them engaged and um another way to to teach them a certain aspect of the stroke so is there any sort of exercises or things that you'll do with your guys to um to mix things up a bit Oh, absolutely. The um, relays, single length relays in the team is... It's a way uh, to get them working hard, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> um, that, that, that would be the hardest they've ever swum in their lives yeah. <laughs> because over 25 metres where some people can potentially paper over their technical 
uh, deficiencies by just ballistic energy uh, sort of evens the pack out a fraction. Um, and so we do find that if we put it, uh, put the squads into, you know, two lanes and it's a single length um, and it's the furthest that, the, the you know, the two teams can actually make in, say, a 10-minute period, which may mean that, um, you know, uh, if I've selected the teams uh, closely enough, which I tend to be quite good at doing, it's pretty much, you know, neck and neck the entire way. So they might end up doing 10 or 15 maximal 25-metre sprints, um, and they basically have only just recovered before they get to go again. And <laughs> But in saying that, though, you know, it's incredible once competition comes into it how hard someone's prepared to work, and we get a really, uh, you know, beneficial session from it in a fun way. And I, and I sort of do a similar thing with a continuous swim where it's a it's taking a bit from the principles of running with the fartlek training where on the whistle um, they have to change pace and so we have sort of um, medium, uh, moderately hard and mad um, and every time they hear the whistle they, for the period that they you know hear the whistle until they hear it again they have to swim in that order either medium, moderately hard or or mad, and so that's another way of um, distracting them from what they're actually doing. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. I like that, and um, you know, people just work so much harder when they're up against someone who yeah. they know they've got to beat. Yeah, and um, I do something similar when we do our sprint sessions. We normally do a lot of timed fifties and sometimes twenty fives, and I'll um, I'll make sure I, I pair up the lanes so that each person is going against someone about their speed. And yeah. on the last one or the, the last couple, I'll get them to give me give me their goal time. So they've got to tell me what time they're going to go for. And then I think something just happens where they, they think about what they have to do in order to hit that time. And, um, and I even just give them, give them a bit of shit through, you know, halfway through the, the session where, um, you know, there might be a swimmer who's, who's going 30s for his um, – like last night, for example, there's a swimmer who was going 31 and 30 for his his 50 fly, and he hadn't gone 29 for 50 fly for, say, probably a year or two. But he was he was looking really good, swimming really well. So I thought, all right, I'm, the best way to, to get him to do that is to um, just to stir him up a bit halfway through the session and say, <laughs> oh, I can feel a 29 coming on. Um, you know, I know I know what you've got, and he. Um, yeah, and then he talks himself down. He's like, nah, it's not not today. I'm not feeling well, and you know, so I haven't got it in me. And then what do you know? The last one he goes 29.0, so almost like 28. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's um, yeah, I just uh, I enjoy those sorts of um, uh, ways that you can get more out of your swimmers just by yep. knowing who they are and knowing what what drives them. To, either telling someone that they can't do something, yeah, uh, which can fire them up, or if you've got a different kind of swimmer, sometimes it can be telling them that they can do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a good team dynamic that swimming doesn't always have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and um, and that and that's what really builds you know swim squads is just um, having a, a few people who know each other and um, know the kinds of things that they're they're training for, and just um, getting that group interaction because yep. a lot of times they're just swimming and they can't chat, whereas on yep. the bike and the run they've got that that interaction. But as, as best as you can build that into the the session, people in, enjoy it more. Yeah. And um, you know they're not going to they're not going to lose out if they're swimming two or three hundred meters less for a session just because you're you're talking to them more or you're creating this this team dynamic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Bevan, thanks for so much for uh, for being on the podcast and um, yeah, I've really enjoyed a lot of the things you've shared, especially um, you know when it comes to um, 
open water swimming and, and some of the things that you have your guys go through just to help them relax and, and calm the nerves, um, as yeah. well as you know, just getting people to, to work harder and, and push themselves in training. And, yeah. um, and you know, it's been great to have you on. And uh, where can people find out more about the sessions you run? And also, um, if you want to talk about your, uh, your podcast. Uh, yeah, well, um, I mean, we were lucky enough to have you on last week, which was really well received. Uh, and, you know, you gave some great insights from your perspective about swimming on our Fitter Radio podcast. So anyone can go to iTunes or Stitcher and, and look up Fitter Radio, um, or they can go to Fitter, uh, the website, www.fitter.co.nz, and you'll see our coaching services and also the swim squads that we run off the back of those. So, yeah, Brendan, always good to have a chat to you, mate. Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.